Welcome to this episode of Athletic Training Chat. On this episode, we have David Zettler, who is an athletic trainer who is currently in medical school to become a doctor of osteopathy. And we got to work with David when he was at UWL as a graduate assistant. And so he's got a unique story coming from an undergrad in athletic training with kind of the mindset of always going to medical school, but then coming to UWL, getting a master's degree in human performance. So we really talk about what it's been like to go to medical school, how having the athletic training background has helped him, and then also what that ultimately will lead to and what he wants to do in his career and how he wants to practice. Really interesting discussion, a lot of fun to catch up with him. We hope that you enjoy it. Please check out this episode. episode of athletic training chat uh, we are on with david zettler who is an athletic trainer by profession i'm assuming you still have it live yeah i'm still keeping it probably through at least until i start my residency training which would make sense which ultimately highlights that david is in medical school right now uh, we got to know david through his time at uwl um, he was a graduate assistant here for us, working with a variety of teams, but a lot of cross-country uh, and track, mixed some swimming in there, Yep. Um, and was here for our human performance program. So, David, that'll be the extent of my background, so if you want to okay. highlight a little bit more, please do. Okay, so I did my undergrad in athletic training at University of Wisconsin-Stevens Point, uh, one of lacrosse's rivals, so it was definitely interesting coming to lacrosse for my master's. Um, I originally was planning to get into medical school right out of undergrad. Okay. Uh, that did not happen, which is not uncommon. Uh, when you start to look at the age of, average age of many of the uh, medical school classes in the U.S., um, a lot of schools are right around that 23, 24-year-old um, for your average student. Um, so a lot of people either take a year off or um, do a master's like I did. Um, so not getting in kind of was looking at options and obviously having the athletic training made sense to go to a graduate assistantship, um, not only to gain experience, but also get some research under my belt. Um, and lacrosse had a great program and I knew the athletics was good. So I was like, well, I'll get a good experience overall. So I was like, let's apply there. Um, so that's where we got to know you and where all of this is going to come from. Um, did that. So I was at lacrosse for two years, did the master's in human performance, um, did a master's thesis while I was there. Uh, since I was working with cross country, that made it easy for the research project we did, um, looking at hormone levels and recovery in our cross-country athletes. Um, and then during my second year at lacrosse, I was reapplying to medical school, um, ended up 
getting accepted to medical school in would have been right around February, um, but did not um, find out that I actually had, I was accepted pending a seat. So it was kind of a, mm. you're in, but we don't know if we'll have a spot for you this year or if you'll be here the following year. So kind of a cruel joke, I feel like. Oh, it was. It was like, hey, you know, you came, you interviewed at the beginning of February, you found out middle of February you're accepted, but we don't know if you're going to start this year. <laughs> don't get too excited. Be right, happy, exactly. but not too happy. Yeah, so it ended up being, I remember it like it was yesterday. It was the 14th of May. We were hosting a track meet. Shocker. Right. I was out at the shot put area, shot put or discus area. I get my phone starts ringing and I'm like, okay, who's calling me? Like everybody that's important knows I'm working track. Right. Looked at my phone and it was a phone number from Kirksville, Missouri. And I'm like, I might want to answer this. <laughs> and so I told the student I was with them, like, give me two seconds. I need to answer this phone call. And sure enough, it was uh, the school calling to tell me that I'd been accepted or had a seat for this for starting uh, that year. And so I was like, okay, well, the next day happened to be graduation for my master's. Oh, so, the timing of it all. Yeah, so the timing was just perfect. Or it was perfect, but it was stressful at the same time. So I had basically like a month to find an apartment and move down to Kirksville um, from lacrosse. So um that's when i started medical school so i'm at uh at still university it's the kirksville college of osteopathic medicine nice uh, and so for people who don't know there are two different physicians in the u.s that are fully licensed um medical providers um so i'm in osteopathic school there's also what we call allopathic school or what would be an md which is what most people i'm assuming just think of as a physician um most people unless you're in healthcare, may not even realize there's two physicians um so i will have the credentials of do when i'm done so doctor of osteopathic medicine um so that's where i'm at so what drove you to go that route versus you know to go do versus md um and even just highlighting some of the difference right because uh, i've even had people ask me that same question you know with our team physician being a do and actually a mm -hmm. lot of um it seems like physicians around here being do's uh obviously there doesn't seem to be any significant drop off between really good mds and do's and that we've worked with but what led you down that path so my first exposure to DOs would have been actually as a child. I my pediatricians were DOs. Okay. I didn't, so I didn't know what the difference was. I had no clue. Um, but both of my pediatricians growing up were DOs. Um, fast forward to undergrad up at Stevens Point. Uh, one of our team physicians, actually our orthopedic surgeon, was a DO. So that was kind of my first experience working with the DO. Um, he was a great guy, very personable, um, worked with him quite a bit, event coverage and just 
patients in general that we had. Um, then coming to lacrosse, um, Dr. Erickson, who kind of was around both years, but I would say probably more so during my second year there, um, started to do a lot more, see him more in clinic with patients and that. Um, him being a DL, kind of seeing how he worked with his patients and how the other DOs I've known interacted with their patients, it definitely kind of pushed me towards that end. And then the more I got into, you know, the differences between MD and DO um, and learning that the DOs learn the a manual medicine. So um, they learn um, osteopathic manipulative medicine or treatment. Um, so you'll either hear it as OMM or OMT. Um, was very intriguing to me, especially with the background in athletic training right. and wanting to go into sports medicine. Um, I very much liked the manual therapy as an athletic trainer and used that quite often. Um, so I figured that would be just a good extension of what I already knew. Um, and the other thing that they push a lot to uh, DO students is a more holistic approach to medicine, or that's what they like to call it. Um, but it falls back on, you know, what can we do before we start, say, medicine X, Y, or Z? You know, is there... Can I work with them on behavioral changes? Can I work with on right. um, diet changes? Is it, you know, do I just need to get them up and exercising? You know, can, can I do some of that before I start pushing all these meds or, you know, maybe a surgery that's not needed? Um, and so that really hit home with the whole athletic training thing because I feel like we always, we try to strive for prevention of injuries in athletic training. Like that would be our ultimate goal is to prevent right. them. Um, and so it's taking that to the level of their entire healthcare. Um, and so that really kind of drove me towards the osteopathic medicine. Um, and so it was one of those things. And then having worked with Dr. Erickson, um, I'm actually at the same school he went to um, down in Missouri. So it was nice to know that, you know, he's doing what he wants to do and it's a similar path that I kind of want to go down. So for sure, uh, it was good to see that you could get there from, you know, this school and know that that's going to be an option for me. So you have a unique skill set then and you kind of referenced it and what you were saying and how you want to treat and wanting to go into sports medicine. Like I say, you could probably even go back a step further than that when you say the preventative side, when you said exercise, like with athletic training, sports performance, mm -hmm. and not just like, I think when people hear sports performance, the connotation is lifting weights and maybe doing right. some sprinting, but knowing the program that you came out of and the, how it's taught, it can mm -hmm. go so much deeper than that. Plus right. lining up with this, like how do you plan or like what would be your ideal setup to integrate, you know, the athletic training discipline, this human performance, Right, conditioning realm and your um, medical degree as you continue through that, obviously. Um, here right. In the future. So, I've thought about it a lot, and 
I think for it to work exactly how I'd want it to, I would definitely have to go into private practice. Okay. Um, Cause what I would like to do, I don't think a hospital necessarily would be on board with. Um, not you that bill insurance for everything. Correct. Um, so ideally, and I'm still kind of torn between whether I go the primary care sports med route, which is what mm -hmm. Dr. Erickson would be considered. So you go generally family medicine, residency, and a sports med fellowship. Yep. Um, or if I would go orthopedic surgery and then do a sports med fellowship. Um, I always kind of said I was going to be an orthopedic surgeon once I decided, you know, medical school was where I wanted to go. But the more I've done with the manual medicine in OMT, the more I'm leaning towards primary care sports med. Um, so that's kind of been a shift in thinking since coming to school. That's interesting. Uh, I just feel like we've seen a lot more articles, you know, like you're not your MRI and, you know, just because right. you have a disc herniation doesn't mean you have to go have back surgery or, you know, our knee scopes actually fixing what they claim to be or is, you know, I think there's been some where they've actually just done placebos. Like they right. didn't fix anything. They just basically put you under and made a couple of incisions and that was it. Yeah, yeah. I just it's interesting that that seems to be kind of coming out more and more. There was recently. No, and the the back one you talk about that's an interesting one because I was I had just seen something on that recently and it's like a large percentage of adults in America are walking around with a disc herniation that they right. don't even know they have. Oh, and I can guarantee it. Yeah, it's not causing any problems, and or if it is, it's not significant enough that they want to do anything for it right and you know that's like okay and i've seen especially on the spine there's i mean that's where a lot of our opioids are being used is back pain and a lot of those patients have had two three surgeries to right try to fix the pain and it does it actually help we don't know and so it's that's part of where some of the shift has come from for me um but also wanting to work with my hands and seeing that there's a way to do that without doing surgery. <laughs> without tools in, 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 in them. <laughs> exactly. And so ideally I could see myself, it would be private practice. Um, I would, not only would it be a physician's office and do sports medicine, but I would like to have a gym involved with it. Right. So, whether that's for you know me having athletic trainers that I hire to do rehab with patients, um, but also potentially have people have the option to purchase like a gym membership through us. Yeah. So you and I'm thinking you know maybe different tiers of gym memberships where you know say you get injured you get you know if you've got a certain package, you can get evaluated by, you know, one of the athletic trainers or um, maybe you're doing rehab and you just need that extra help getting back. You know, you can get a couple sessions with one of the athletic trainers that works there for, you know, that injury or to help progress you through your, you know, rehab. Um, so kind of a all in one, like one stop shop for, everything from your primary care needs and your sports medicine needs all the way to the training you're doing and, you know, your gym membership. So you'd be able to 
get it taken care of all at one spot. That would be a heck of a place to go. So that's kind of my thought on it. And I personally being biased, you know, towards athletic trainers would want to utilize that for my um, rehab and that kind of stuff. Nothing against PTs or anything, but, you know, I think with my background and athletic training, moving to a master's, I definitely think that's where I would be looking for those professionals and especially looking more on that, having a few with uh, strength and conditioning. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Some dual credentialed people where it's just basically mm -hmm. a seamless transition. Right. So they get done with their rehab with them and then they can, you know, if they're looking for that sports performance end, they can right. jump right in, stay with the same person. They've got the knowledge to write those programs and keep moving forward with them. I think that sounds like a pretty sweet place to work and would ultimately be something that would be pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, how do you think athletic training helped set your base to be helpful, not only in grad school because you were busy here, you were clinical right. responsibilities, preceptor responsibilities, plus grad school, which I know is not simple with Dr. Wright. He, he, right. He's very detail oriented plus you were doing research at the right. time which anybody that's even touched it knows that that can be just a black hole of yeah doing a lot of things um how how did coming up as an athletic trainer benefit you in that realm so, i think it starts with undergrad i mean you went through it all of us as athletic trainers did and with your time management i mean there's um you're in undergrad, you're, you know, classwork and balancing that with your clinical hours. Um, so I think it started there with really helping me for medical school, especially um, we've got, I think our average credit load for a semester is like 26 credits per semester. Um, and so it, yeah. <laughs> Now, our, our semesters are a little bit longer than your, you know, normal undergrad 16-week semester. Right. Uh, but we're pretty much, most days we're at least uh, 8 to eight to noon. We'll generally have four classes, um, five days a week. And then the afternoons are kind of variable. Um, they'll give us an hour for lunch, and we have maybe a couple classes, maybe we'll have labs we have in the afternoon. Um, so they keep us busy in school. And so the time management was a big thing. Um, the other thing that athletic training did is give me contact with patients. Um, mm -hmm. I have a lot of classmates in school that really haven't worked with actual patients in a clinical setting. Um, they may have been a scribe in an emergency room or um, worked as a CNA, but they weren't the person who was evaluating, treating, and doing all of that with a patient. Um, so not necessarily having the basis of the clinical thought process um, that I had exposure to as an athletic trainer where, you know, we're diagnosing and treating those injuries. So that was definitely a huge benefit to myself. Right. Uh, also, just 
knowing some of the basic physical exam skills. Right. Um, so in terms of how to palpate, how to, you know, do range of motion, all the things we take for granted because we do it a, on a daily basis. Um, but something that many of my classmates hadn't been exposed to. Um, so, you know, even, even just touching another person in terms of how to diagnose an injury or illness um, that we do daily. So that was definitely a huge benefit to myself. Um, I would say even more so at a osteopathic school where we are palpating like from day one in our um, manual medicine classes, we started first day palpating the spine. You know, what's a spinous process feel like? What does the transverse process feel like? Right. You know, where are you feeling for those? Um, moving to like the pelvis, stuff we palpate all the time. You yeah, know, the spine it, still scares the crap out of me. Pretty good around, yeah. yeah. And so it's like, that kind of stuff that really we have a good foundation for that really set me up to do well in that class, especially. Right. Um, for, and then moving to my master's, just getting more experience with patients um, and the clinical decision-making. And then um, in terms of research, I think not only doing research, but having to read more research than you do in undergrad. Um, and the way Dr. Wright kind of breaks things down in terms of like reading research articles really helped with like looking at, okay, was this a good research study? Like, you know, or is there something that I would have done different that maybe this study should have done? Right. To make it a more valid study. And I think that's something that really, I wouldn't have gotten if I hadn't gone to grad school and done a master's um so that's something that i'll definitely continue to use as i move forward because you look at some research and you're like okay you got the results you wanted but is that really what the data is telling us right so um and i think that comes with some of the other classes we had too not just with dr wright but right. he seemed to be a big proponent of you know is this research done properly to tell us what we want to know or so. yeah that, that's a whole topic of itself on the research thing of having to discern what's real and valid and actually useful or is it just right there and that yeah the whole evidence-based thing is research uh something that's heavy for you guys in med school or does that come kind of later so we've got some opportunities to do research. Um, I'm currently not doing any. I decided to, since I've did research in undergrad for my athletic training program and have done, you know, the master's thesis, um, I decided it would be a good opportunity to focus on my studies. Um, so there are some opportunities here to do that. Um, a lot more does come during your third and fourth year when you go on to your clinical rotations. Okay. Uh, whether that's with a um, one of your preceptors that is doing research and you hop on board with that, or um, someone else at the hospital 
Um, but then there are also more opportunities as you get into your residencies and fellowships to do research. And that's, I would say, where it's pushed more than anything. So as we move forward, um, but definitely it's there if you want to do it. I feel like that's probably the case in most places. Yeah. Awesome. Um, anything else that you wanted to cover in regards to that? Because it is, I don't know that it's a, necessarily say it's a unique, well, it is a unique track because I don't think it's all that common, at least from what I've right. heard. I can only think of a couple people I know that have gone AT into, you know, the to a physician field. Right. Um, I guess maybe something before we get into the ATGI questions, if that's something that now, especially with the transition, right? what advice would you have for people that might be looking to do that route? So it's funny you say it's, um, it's not that common because I didn't think it would be either. And then um, now that I'm in my second year of school, we actually have another first year here in Kirksville who is also an athletic trainer. Well, there you go. Who did, who did her masters? Um, so it was quite interesting to see that we had two of us here at school that are athletic trainers going on to medical school. Um, but in terms of advice, um, I don't know if I would, you know, if you want to do medicine, I would say go the medicine route and just stick with it, especially with the merger now. I think, you know, it's going to be you're going to see a lot less dual credentialed AT, PT, AT, you know, PA, yep. you know, AT to physician. You're going to see a lot less of it. So if you have any kind of inkling, maybe just explore that first before you decide to go the AT route. Okay. Uh, I definitely, I don't regret going the AT route first at all. I think it, gave me a great base for everything I'm going to be doing and I want to do in my future. Um, but definitely not something for the faint of heart either. Um, it's, they push you pretty hard for two years before they ship you out to clinical rotations. And um, it's definitely been more of a challenge than I think I thought it was going to be. I knew it was going to be hard, but I definitely think it's harder than what I thought it was going to be too especially different units and stuff but i can only imagine so awesome jump into the athletic training chat questions sure okay since you still are an athletic trainer what does yeah. being an athletic trainer mean to you um i think it means to me that there's there's a community that I'm a part of. Um, athletic training, doesn't matter where you go, if you know the other athletic trainer, it's, it's like you're one big family. And, you know, if you're traveling to another, you know, school for, with your team, um, pretty much it always seems like if you need anything, you just ask. If they can't take care of it, they know someone who does and they, they'll try to do that. Um, for you. I definitely felt that way when I traveled with um, UWL's track team for nationals both times, um, whether it was down to Wartburg or when we went out to Ohio for nationals. Um, 
it seemed like if I needed anything or didn't know something, talk to one of the host athletic trainers and, you know, it'd be taken care of or, you know, they'd figure it out for me. Um, so that was always something that being an athletic trainer, you know, kind of meant to me. And I think it's something that I definitely want to continue as I move forward. Um, a lot of people don't necessarily know what an athletic trainer is, especially other healthcare professionals, um, unless you've been exposed to the sports realm. You know, many nurses, PAs, physicians don't really know what an athletic trainer is right. or what can and can't do. Um, so since I'm part of that community, I want to continue helping that community to, you know, push forward with who we are and what we can do and, you know, show people that we are healthcare professionals, that we're not just, you know, someone who's training athletes. Or hanging on bag and bags of ice and tape and ankles. Yeah, or, you know, that Gatorade water bottle that everybody sees on <laughs> Sunday afternoons. I refuse. I will not squirt it into somebody's mouth. I, I draw a firm line for me on that. Especially where, where we're at. I just, that's yeah. our yep. line. Yep. I'll leave that up to people's personal. You can do what you want to do, but for me, that's a hard oh. line. I agree with you there. I don't care yeah. what level you're at, even at the pros. Mm, I think, I think you know how to use a water bottle. So yeah, I go back and forth. Cause I know some of them, they've actually like, I feel like they just hire. And I saw this somewhere like hydration specialists, basically mm -hmm. like actual like water boys. Right. Now if that's what you're getting paid to do. Be my guest, like go for it. Right. I, I just come on now. There's a level <laughs> of service and then there's other stuff, but yeah. Um, what advice would you give yourself as a young athletic trainer um, back at Stevens Point? I think one thing, and I think watching your first couple um, episodes, I think it's something that other people have hit on. Um, take every opportunity you get. Um, doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter what sport it is. Um, Take the opportunity that's presented to you. It's only going to make you a better athletic trainer. Um, and try to learn from as many preceptors as you can. So that was one thing that I was glad they, I mean, they did a good job with us at point is um, we had two high school rotations. Okay. So, so I was at two different high schools with two very different athletic trainers, got to see two very different styles um, outside of the collegiate setting. And I think that was a good thing um, to see, you know, what the two different high schools had, because they were both very different size in high schools. Um, one was uh, Wittenberg Burnhamwood, which is pretty small, um, less funding than um, uh, the other one was, oh, I'm going to draw a blank now, Mosini. Um, so two very different size high schools. And so it was interesting to get that different perspective from their athletic trainers on, you know, what they had available to them and what you can, you know, what we could do with people in terms of rehab or treatment. Right. Um, so learning that, and then just the different preceptors we had while I was at point at the university, um, they all were good at 
they all had something that they were better at than the next. And so trying to find that thing that they were really good at and learn that from them. So whether that was taping or how they did a certain technique in terms of manual therapy, um, or you know maybe they were really good at rehab. Um, we had one athletic trainer who he was, that was his thing. He loved rehab. And we, you know, working with him, he was really big on prevention of injury. So we did a lot of, um, he worked with women's soccer. So we did a lot of preventative stuff with the women's soccer team to try to help with, you know, ACL prevention. And so that was one thing that, you know, really tried to learn from him when I was on rotation with him was that rehab portion. For sure. Uh, you may have already answered your the next question with that answer, but we'll ask it anyway. Uh, what has been the most influential resource you have found in your career? Um, I would definitely, you know, have to say preceptors. I got to come general. up with a new question. That's, that's going to yeah. be everybody's answer, which is totally fine. Maybe I'll have to ask for a favorite book. um I definitely you know and I would have to say though too um besides preceptors I would say even you know just the other clinicians I've worked with so the some of the physicians and stuff too um because they're definitely they had a different look on things than say we did as athletic trainers so it was always nice to when you had the chance pick their brain on an injury or you know a specific situation right. as to what they think is going on because um, a lot of times they're coming at it from a different perspective than we are mm-hmm. uh, which good bad other um, I think sometimes as the athletic trainer we have the advantage of we know the person on a daily basis yep and so that'll be an adjustment period I know for myself going to the other end of it as a physician, not getting to see that person every day. Or only having 20 minutes with them. Right. And that goes back to part of the reason why I think I need to do private practice. Right. I don't think I want to be putting that time constraint on myself of, okay, you have 15 minutes to see this patient and do everything you need to do and, you know, take care of them. It's like, I don't know if that's actually uh, good medicine. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, we do down here at school, we do standardized patients um, to get us ready for our, so we'll do, we have different levels of boards we have to take. Yep. And during our second level of boards, we actually have to do a uh, physical exam portion. So they call it the PE. Yeah. And we see, I think it's 12 or 14 patients. They give us 14 minutes to see the patient, take a full history, and do the physical exam, and we get nine minutes to write our soap note after the encounter. Um, even on some of the orthopedic type injury ones that we've had to do, that's a struggle to get a good history and eval in in 14 minutes. Right. It's like, that's really kind of led me to like, do I really want to work for someone who's not myself? <laughs> I gotcha. So that would be that would be one thing that I'm like kind of steered me more maybe towards that private practice end. 
That makes sense. If you could change or eliminate one thing, it could be a modality, a common practice, mindset, whatever it may be, just set what it is for us um, in the in the field of athletic training, what would it be? I think personally, the big thing would be that like quick fix. You know, we've always got that athlete who comes in and they just want that quick fix and then don't want to follow up for any other rehab or treatments. Um, I mean, it's kind of like our society. People are very fast paced. They want it done now. And some of the injuries and stuff that we deal with, you just can't do that yeah, with. Anything chronic. Exactly. And I mean, I think that probably stems from me having worked cross country, swim and dive, <laughs> track and field, um, dealt with a lot of those chronic overuse injuries. The and poster children for efficient movement and chronic pain yeah i'm totally yeah. with you exactly and so it's something that you know it's learning part of it too stemming from what i've learned here in terms of the manual medicine it's like yeah i can i can pop and crack your back and you might feel better for the next you know two days but what are we doing to prevent it from getting back to where it was right how can i treat that end of it as well um it was actually interesting because i know you were the one who brought it up to me at one point um we had a few cross-country girls with um i think it was knee pain they were dealing with um oh some it band issues and you're like have you looked at their glute strength and i'm like well yeah we're doing glute strengthening but then you're like have you looked at their firing pattern and i'm like no tell me more. Yeah. And so, you know, you, we went down the road of, okay, you know, are they controlling their glutes? Yeah, they may be strong enough, but are they actually, you know, activating them? Yeah, are they using them to run? Exactly. And so found out they weren't. And so we worked on it and lo and behold, their knee pain got better. Well, that's actually a topic we covered first semester. Okay. Was, was you know, what is the firing pattern for walking you know that it should be glutes hamstrings then your you know contralateral low back and then your ipsilateral low back yeah you know so we we actually talked about that just this last semester and it's like huh i use that to actually treat some patients go figure you know? go figure so it was like it's like okay this is a perfect extension of what you know i've been doing all along and it's like that's not a fast fix as light I mean, bulbs are flickering and illuminating. Mm -hmm. yeah, I love that time. That's my favorite. Yeah. And so it was like, you know, I've been doing this for a while and it's like that, that was a slow process. I mean, right. we were probably two to three weeks before they really started to notice improvements and they thought I was crazy because I'm sitting here making them try to just contract one glute at a time. Right. They couldn't even do that consciously so it's like they thought i was nuts and weren't going to get better but in the long run it helped and so it was like i think that's the one thing is that there's not always a quick fix for things yeah some of my best success with especially distance runners is when they were they broke you know whether it be a stress fracture or they ended up deciding to you know like register however you want to define it but they spent all that extra time because they couldn't run 
focusing on those things. And then all of a sudden when they came back, they never felt stronger. They felt like they could run better. You know, just everything seemed to go. And I've had that discussion that's just hard, especially in the college setting, because it's max everybody out in four years. But, you know, even with football, I'd be like, man, it'd be great if we could just shut all these freshmen that don't come in physically prepared because they're just not ready for it yet. Some are, but some most aren't. Right. To actually like prepare them, because how much better of a four years could we get? You know, if college became a five-year right. thing, you know, you got right. you burn a seat a year. But couldn't agree more. I like that one. Where do you see the athletic training profession going in the next five to ten years? Obviously, we got a big shift coming in the next right. three years officially. Um, but what do you what do you think is going to happen? So. The one big thing that I think I see happening, and I don't know if it'll be five, I think it's probably closer to that 10 year range, is I think the insurance companies are really gonna, you know, look at the billing end. And I think we're finally gonna get that on board. Yep. Uh, so we're able to bill for our services. Um, I know if I'm eventually gonna be hiring athletic trainers to work for me, that I would definitely like to be able to bill for what they're doing. Makes sense. Uh, it's, I, I think the research is starting to show up that, you know, we're worth our money. Definitely. I mean, there's, I mean, they've, I've seen some of the research on it. Um, how much money, you know, an athletic trainer can save just like a high school alone. Right. But then, you know, we have a very similar skill set to physical therapists in the sports medicine world. Um, and so I don't know why they aren't allowing us to be billed for similar services. Um, and so I think if you can start to argue some of that, maybe it'll, you know, help with that end of things. And I think that'll be the, I think that'd be a good push for us in the future. Um, and really kind of solidify us as healthcare professionals and not just athletic trainers. Right. And so I think, I think that's where I see us going is more into that clinic model. Um, that sports med clinic where currently it's mostly physical therapists working. Um, and I think that's from some of the stuff I've seen, some of the pushback you get in some of the States, um physical therapists maybe are partially worried about us jumping degrees up to that master's level because they're worried that you know we're going to maybe start taking some of those jobs in sports medicine right. clinics orthopedic type practices and we tend to be um, a little cheaper right and we're a little cheaper but i don't think we should be no i couldn't agree with you more and, there i think it's and, just the evolution it, it's right. going to take a long time for that to catch up too Right. And I think that's kind of a problem we've perpetuated ourselves because you've always, I mean, there, there were so many of us that were looking for jobs that someone was always willing to work for the price that was posted instead of holding out for more money. Yep. And so we've always been willing to take those lower paying jobs when we shouldn't have. Right. Um, So I think we've kind of done some of that to ourselves, unfortunately. but I think that's starting to come around too. So that'll, and I think with the shift to the master's program and 
you know, we'll have some of these programs that aren't going to continue, yep. you know, with, with their program. Um, so we'll probably end up seeing and smaller class sizes in the master's programs. For sure. Uh, I think we'll see a decrease in the number of new athletic trainers, which should help hopefully with some of that wage stuff as well. Yep. Up the quality with a smaller quantity. Right. And, yep. I know Mark, exactly. I know Mark Gibson says it all the time. And I'm sure we both heard this from him is, you know, we did a great job getting up to a, like a peak point, but mm -hmm. we oversaturated it. And yep. now we're kind of having that rebound effect, which I think in the long run, it'll be really good. Yeah, no, I, I think it will. And it's something that I know I've talked to with my brother-in-law, who's a program director down in Arizona. Yep. You know, we've talked about it quite a bit. It's like, how is this going to change what we're doing and mm -hmm. you know, that kind of stuff? And it's like, I think it is definitely for the better. I know at first I was kind of on the fence about it. Like, do we really need to go to a master's program? Are we just like, you know, the whole degree inflation kind of like, right. cause it seems like from people I've talked to on the physical therapy end, it's like, they really didn't change their curriculum a whole lot. They just made it, you know, an extra year and made it a doctorate. And so it's like, you know, that's the one thing I kind of worried about with it, but I definitely more I've talked to people. It seems like it's the right move. For yeah, us for sure. I, I would agree with you there for sure. Anything else you want to cover? I just, um, I think the one thing that I guess just to kind of go back to, um, you know, the difference between DOs and MDs and all of that, just give everybody a little bit more of a rundown on kind of what OMT is or, you know, the osteopathic manipulative treatment. Um, just so if anybody's going to end up working with a DO, um, or whatnot, they kind of have an idea of what they may offer from that end. Um, so very, and I know you've got a lot of experience with um, uh, working with chiropractors with um, Dr. Kyle. Yep. Um, and so I think a lot of people don't really know that, again, like we said, two types of physicians, um, but that's one of the big things that, and not all DOs are going to continue to use OMT in their future practice. Um, a lot of it depends on what you end up going into. So a lot of your family med, internal med, your more primary care specialties are going to probably continue to use OMT where, you know, your people who end up going into surgery and that kind of stuff just don't necessarily have the time to do it. Right. Um, but the interesting thing about it is it's a lot of stuff that we learn as athletic trainers. So just take into another level because we have more time to learn it. So um, things like muscle energy, that's, that's one of our main treatment modalities. Yep. Uh, so all the stuff where we learn to adjust the pelvis as an athletic trainer and, you know, fix those rotations we, I learned that again. There you go. So, you know, it was like, Oh yeah, I've been doing this for a while. <laughs> um, and so that's one of our big ones. Um, we do a lot of myofascial release 
So whether that's um, direct or indirect myofascial release. Um, we also do a lot of HVLA, which is what most people think of when they hear chiropractor, you know, so the popping and cracking, right. uh, high velocity, low amplitude, um, which for athletic trainers would be a grade five joint manipulation, which mobilization. Kind of yeah. <laughs> kind of the, uh, the gray area as right. to can we or can't we do yep. it and state dependent on all of that. For sure. Um, we also learn a lot of what we call articulatory techniques, which I would equate more to that grade one through four okay. joint, joint mobs. Um, seems to fall kind of more in that realm. Um, so there's a lot of stuff we learn including you know different massage techniques for you know those soft tissue injuries or to use prior to the other techniques to help with it to be more efficient um also learning to treat things like um, uh edema and inflammation swelling um using different what they call lymphatic techniques so okay. helping to helping to increase circulation to that area and increase the lymphatic flow out of that area. Um, so, I mean, we do some of that, if you think about it with athletic training in terms yep. of, you know, you've got an ankle sprain, it's, you know, swollen like a balloon. And what do we do? We massage it. We try to get that edema out of their foot and ankle. So it's just taking that to another level of treating the entire body with it. So sure. um, definitely something that, you know, especially I think if you're dealing with a sports med osteopath, a lot of them are probably still going to be using it and okay. treating with it. Um, there's some good research out there on it, just like there is with chiropractic care um, in terms of different things it can treat. So definitely something to Keep in mind if your patient's not getting better, you know, and you've got a physician you work with who does it, maybe there's something they can do for him. Sounds good. I like it. So, um, if anybody wanted to reach out to you or follow you, get be in touch with you, what would be the best way? Um, they could the social or otherwise. <laughs> I was gonna say they. Definitely. I'm on Facebook. They can find me there. Um, otherwise I can, I can give you an email address if you want to post that with it. If you're comfortable with it. I'm good with that. I don't always check my email. So Facebook <laughs> made here, but. Is that um, the Gmail one? Yeah, that's a Gmail one. I will put I will link it up in case. So yeah, I usually get to my Facebook better than my email. So emails awesome. get lost. Sometimes. Sounds good. Well, appreciate you being right. on the show. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me.